And this is a short passage, and the topic for this afternoon is who is Jesus? And this is a somewhat theological topic that we will be considering, but we're going to start our discussion by looking at Matthew 16, 13 through 17. Hear the word of God. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said to him, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And so the question that we have for us this afternoon is the same question that Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus? And that's a question that we need to answer from time to time in our own minds. Now, it is a wonderful thing to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are a Christian or are in a Christian family, you often say the words Jesus or Jesus Christ, and not as a swear word. And you don't speak them just to say Jesus. But let's say you're praying for your meals. You might use the name of Jesus. You have personal devotions. You use the name of Jesus. You have family devotions. You use the name of Jesus. You say the word Jesus maybe five times. I don't know how many times Pastor Harrison mentioned Jesus in the sermon this morning. If you read any devotional materials, you hear the word Jesus. Christians, as they talk to each other, pick up that the other person believes in Jesus. And you, yourselves, you probably use Jesus. You pray to Jesus when you're going to have a test in school or when your job is particularly difficult and you say, Jesus, I need your help in order to get through this particular problem at work. And so if you were to count how many times you mention the word Jesus Christ during your day, it might be five times, it might be many times that you have spoken the word Jesus. You have thanked Jesus for the blessings that he gave you. You stopped and admired a beautiful scene and you say, thank you, Jesus, for such beauty that you've given to us. You've needed his help, and you've asked Jesus for help. All of these things are good things. People who use God's name, people who use God's name frequently, are they Christians? There's more than being a Christian than just thinking and saying the word Jesus. And the question before us today is that question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And we would say, Jesus, you are God. 
And then we would say in the same breath, Jesus, you are a man. You are fully God. You are fully man. And the scriptures teach that Jesus is God. We read in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. We read in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples, at one point in John 10, verse 30, said, I and the Father are one. Jesus is God. We believe that he is God. Thomas, after Jesus' resurrection, was very skeptical about Jesus' resurrection. He didn't believe that the disciples had really seen Jesus because he wasn't there. But when Jesus appeared to Thomas after his resurrection, Thomas was just amazed. What was one of the things he said? He said, my Lord and my God. Jesus was God. And we learn from scriptures, Jesus is part of the Godhead. He is one person of the three persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus cannot be separated from God. I can't look at the essence of God and pull a little piece out and say, is this little piece the Holy Spirit, God the Father, or Jesus? No, the entire essence is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is equal to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is eternal, just as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are. Jesus always was, he is today, he always will be, he is part of God. When we look at our history, we think about the Nicene Creed written in 325. There was a clergyman, a preacher, and a teacher, Arius. He said, Jesus can't be God. He has to be a very good man. And so the church got together and said, this is a false teaching. And they wrote what we call the Nicene Creed. Today, I had a Jehovah Witness come to the house and they gave me a paper and they said, you know what? Way back when, in the 300s, people believed that Jesus was a man. We believed the same thing. And they gave me a paper about what Arius had taught. And so errors about who Jesus is and was have been going on for many, many decades centuries since the time of Jesus. But we also learn from the scriptures that Jesus was a man. We would read in Galatians 4 verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. This was a man. In Romans 5 verse 19, by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. That man was Adam. But by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. 
That is Jesus Christ. It is a man. The scriptures are very clear that Jesus was a man. Jesus was made in the image of God, just as Adam was before the fall. Jesus and Adam were very similar. They were made in the image of God. They were perfect in how they were made. They were an image. Jesus' life is described in the Bible as an example to us of what a human who was perfectly made in the image of God would be like. And Jesus is shown throughout the Gospels to have all the same things happen to him that are common to man. Jesus got hungry. Jesus was tired. Jesus had feelings. He was thirsty. He was sad when he stood before Lazarus' grave. He wept. And Jesus died. All things that are common to man. And therefore, what we can say is that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. And we would also say that these things have been believed by Christians for many, many years. And so can you explain exactly who or what Jesus is? And I want to describe for you some of the issues that have gone on throughout the centuries that we need to read the scriptures carefully to understand them. And here's what we know. Jesus Christ is one person. He is one person of the Godhead. The Father and the Spirit and the Son are the persons of the Trinity. But secondly, Jesus Christ has two natures. He has a divine nature, his divinity, he is God, he has a human nature, he is human just like we are human. And we're saying, how can that be? And here is what's true about those two natures. Jesus Christ's natures are not Mixed. I'm not going to take a divinity and swirl it with a man and have kind of a mixed thing here. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus Christ is not convertible. I don't look at Jesus in one second, he's a man, and the next second, he's a divinity. And they just keep flipping back and forth. He's not convertible, it's called. He is not just changing back and forth. No, he is fully man. He is fully God. Jesus' natures are not confused. When we read the scriptures, every time we read about Jesus, we are reading about him in context, either Jesus as a man or Jesus as God. There are no Places where it's hard to distinguish between who he is and what he is. These natures of Jesus are both self-conscious intelligences, so to speak. 
Jesus as a human was a genius. He was a perfect specimen of what a man was supposed to be. He was made in God's image. Jesus as God is all-powerful, all-knowing. He has all the attributes of God. Each of these is a self-conscious person or nature. Jesus is self-determined. He's a free agent. The human Jesus chose his disciples. When he lived on earth, he is the one who decided to walk all the way from Galilee down to Jerusalem and back again. He determined where he was going to go, what disciples he was going to teach, how he was going to relate to people around him. Jesus Christ was divine. He knew his purpose when he came to earth, that he was going to die. He was going to be raised from the death. He was going to pay the penalty of mankind's sin. And at this point you might say, I have some questions about what you're talking about. And I agree, you should have some questions our minds are rational. We are humans. We think a certain way. And I cannot figure out how Jesus can be divine on one side and human on the other side without an error. It doesn't make sense to me. Christians have struggled with this problem since the beginning of Christianity. Arius, as we mentioned before, didn't think Jesus was divine. But here's some other things that happened. Apollinaris, back in 390 AD, he couldn't explain how Jesus could be both divine and a man. And so he said, you know what? When Jesus was on earth, he had a human body, but his soul was divine. That's how he was a divine man. And the, the people at that time wanted to safeguard Jesus be, because Jesus didn't sin. And where did sin come from, did they think? It came from your soul in your body. So how could Jesus have a human soul if that's where sin comes from? He had to have a divine soul. And he made a whole argument over this. We read in Hebrews that that is an impossible situation. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 2 verse 17 says, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. Others had other ideas. One of them said that Jesus in actuality is two distinct persons, but they are so intimately entwined with each other that you can't hardly distinguish between his humanity 
and his divinity. Perhaps you like nature, you like science. Have you ever seen pictures of the ocean and a coral reef? And have you ever seen pictures of those beautiful coral, whatever they are, we'll talk about them in a second, in the coral reef? Each coral is really an animal. And that animal has attached itself to the bottom of the ocean. And that animal is growing. But in addition, each coral animal is infused and embedded by an algae, a very specific algae that associates itself with this particular coral animal. An algae is a plant. And so the coral, as you look at it, looks like one thing, doesn't it? But if I look at it microscopically, I will find the cells of the coral are surrounded by cells of algae. And I can just barely separate it. And if I killed all the algae, the coral would be gray and most likely die. If I kill the coral plant, the algae would have no place to live and it would die. We call it in science a symbiotic relationship. Perhaps Jesus Christ is like a symbiotic relationship where his divinity and his humanness are so entwined together that I can't tell that he is not both. He is one being. Is that a true picture of who Jesus Christ is? In my rational mind, I could make that make sense. But if I read the scriptures, I cannot see where in the scriptures it talks about a Jesus who is this combination of entities swirled together, melded together into one being. So if I think even further in my rational mind, Maybe Jesus is a hybrid. God the Father impregnated of Mary and the result is a God-man, a hybrid between God and man. And so I can say Jesus is God. I can say Jesus is a man. Does that make sense? Is there anywhere in the Bible that describes God as a God-man? And we may use that word from time to time, but it isn't entirely accurate to say a God-man. He is God. He is man. Jesus is not a complex, highly developed, symbiotic entity. Jesus is not a new type of person or God who is kind of a combination God-man. 
of hybrids. And you have to remember that Greek-Roman mythology often had myths about gods who came down and impregnated females. And there were god-men, and we have stories about them on this earth, supposedly. That's not who Jesus is. We know that Jesus is holy God, not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-E-Y, holy God and holy man. We have to come to a conclusion on this. We cannot explain Jesus Christ's composition and nature from a rational perspective. This is a mystery. And what we believe about Jesus is based on faith and what the scripture tells us. And once we acknowledge that the two natures of Jesus are a mystery, and we accept in our minds that Jesus Christ is holy God, Jesus Christ is holy man, that is where we are. And so we'll say to ourselves, why is it important that Jesus is a man and that Jesus is God? That is the question. And then the more important question is, what is our relationship to Jesus? The first thing we need to know is that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. God sees you as a problem. You are a problem. You can't meet God's standards. Let's say that God was doing quality control of every person who was born. And God would inspect you after you were born and take a look at you. You would be imperfect in some way. There's something wrong with you. Oh, you're a little sinful. Oh, throw you into the discard bin. You're thrown into the trash. And that's where Jesus comes in. He's the only one who can take you out of the trash and present you before God as perfect. That's what Jesus does. We read that Jesus was willing to lay down his life for his sheep in John 10, verse 14. Jesus takes that flawed sinner, the reject, so to speak, and begins to fix, to recreate that reject, to perfect it. And in the meantime, Jesus presents himself before God as the perfect one who can cover the rejected persons. Jesus had to be divine to do this. Only a divinity could save and restore lost sinners. No human could have done this. Only a divinity can save a multitude 
of people and withstand the wrath of God for all the accumulated sins of people. You can't go to someone who you know is really good and say, give me some of your goodness so that I can present myself before God. The Roman Catholic Church has a treasury of merit. All the saints did more good than they needed, so they threw it in a treasury. And now we can draw from that treasury. That's not how it works. We do have a treasure that we can draw from, but it's not all those saints. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the treasure. He will cover our sins. His goodness is shown before God instead of our sinfulness. We must use Jesus' goodness. Jesus Christ had to be human. Only a human could represent the human race before God. An angel couldn't come to God and say, look at these human people. I think that you need to save them. Some other being that we don't know of, some spirit can't come to God and, and speak up for us. No, a human has to speak up for us. And only one human was able to live a life of complete obedience to God. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Adam failed miserably. And that human knows what it's like to be a human. He suffered the daily restrictions of human existence. You can't live without some sleep. Jesus had to sleep. You can't live without water. You can't live without food. Jesus needed those things. He was limited by his humanity. And so when he came before God to speak on your behalf, he knew what it was like to be you, except for the sin that you had suffered and gone through and completed. Jesus had to be totally human to bear the totality of the wrath of God. Do you believe these things about Jesus? Is that who you're speaking about when you speak about Jesus? Do you understand that Jesus is the only one who can represent you before God and that you need to pray that God will give you faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and that you can't rationally understand how Jesus can be man and Jesus can be God, but by faith you believe it because the Bible teaches it. And sometimes it seems like a preacher is just preaching, the Bible tells me this, I need to do it. And just like, okay, well, I will believe it by faith because God has taught us these things. When you ask Jesus to help you throughout the day as you're mentioning his name from time to time during the day, is Jesus as God, as Jesus as a sympathizing man, the one you're praying to? And if you have come to him and asked for forgiveness of sins, Jesus is the one 
who will save you. Perhaps you've been a Christian for a long time. Do you still need Jesus in the same way you did when you were first converted? And I would say, yes, you do. You need him more. You should not become weary of Jesus, tired of Jesus. I'm tired of always having to think about Jesus, to come to him and pray to him, to come to church services and to hear about him over and over again. No, you need Jesus more and more. It should be a blessing to you that you have a standard in your life who is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is there all the time. You can't get away from him. He's going to be there. And so don't get weary of Jesus. You need Jesus every day. He should be on your lips at least some part of the day. You need Jesus to help you live. You need Jesus to help you die. In fact, Christians really need Jesus when it comes time to die. Jesus is there every step of the way. And if you have had Jesus with you all your life, Jesus will give you sweet comfort as your body slows down. As your mind breaks up, Jesus will give you that comfort that you've had for your entire life. You need Jesus' grace and his mercy and his love forever. And so we'll finish with this. Live a life in love for the Lord Jesus Christ because he has loved you. Do you know who Jesus is? Search the scriptures. You will find Jesus as a loving, merciful God. You will find Jesus as a sympathetic human being, a sympathetic man.